Influencing popular culture, politics, and everything in between. The local station takes you ringside as we discuss the crazy world that is professional wrestling. This is Going Ringside with The Local Station. Hello, and thank you for joining us for this special edition of Going Ringside. I'm releasing it earlier. Usually we do it on Wednesdays, or this time we're doing it on a Monday because the, just the, the news that's out there. Just this McMahon stuff has just shocked the wrestling world and, frankly, the country at large. Um, concerning these allegations of sex trafficking that, that came out last week. And we needed to unpack that here at Going Ringside and just get right to it. This is, uh, this is a massive, massive scandal. It is only accusations, but McMahon has denied it. But this is a massive scandal, and we need to discuss it here. A little later on in the show, we are going to sit down and talk with a veteran criminal defense lawyer here in Florida, Unpacking what this means for McMahon, for WWE, for other people involved in this lawsuit, namely John Laurinaitis. Um, this is big. This is major. Could it get to the point of criminal investigation? We're going to unpack that. We're going to talk about this. Um, this is such a big deal. Um, so we're going to talk about that a little later on. We're, I also have a capital management expert, Ron Heyman to come on. He's going to be here a little later to discuss what this means for the WWE Corporation, TKO, their parent company, the board of directors with McMahon stepping away but still owning stock. What does that mean? Such a uh, monumental story. I'm not even backtracking to last week's episode, which was great. Eddie Kingston, go back and check it out. Um, but but this, is, this is a bombshell that has come out the last week concerning these just scandalous accusations by a former um, employee. Um, this is the lawsuit, several pages. This is the non-disclosure agreement she signed and is now essentially null and void, and we're going to discuss that, um, that McMahon had this uh, former employee sign. That being said, we need to back up and discuss how we got here, what's going on. I had an interesting thing happen this weekend. Um, where, you know, we work out of Channel 4 in Jacksonville, Florida here, and, and a lot of people are talking about this who don't follow wrestling, and they don't really know much about who Vince McMahon is. They know he's, you know, the guy who owns the company, so to speak, but they don't really know who he is, so I, they started reading the lawsuit right here, and just like, oh, my God, this is, this is horrific. These accusations, McMahon has denied. But then we start talking a little about McMahon's on-camera character for the last 25 years, and they're like, they let him do that on television? Uh, if, if you know Vince, if you followed Vince for years, I mean, he has played what has been portrayed as a character of the evil owner doing everything imaginable, just some scandalous stuff. Um, Everything from the Vince McMahon Kiss My Ass Club, which has been, you know, something that he would do. He'd drop his pants in the middle of the ring, make employees kiss his backside. Uh, you know, some scandalous things involving his wife and Trish Stratus, his own daughter, Stephanie McMahon. So Vince has been known as an on-camera character for decades to be one of the most scandalous uh, person who would get canceled modern day in the history of television. I mean, I don't know of a character on television for that long who has been as scandalous as Vince McMahon. 
it was his character, obviously, on camera. But a lot of people wondered, is he like that in real life? Well, the stuff in this lawsuit that is alleged, once again, he is denying and it will be settled in court, it's just, it's beyond that. It is beyond that. And we're going to get to that in a bit. But I want to talk about how we got here. Because there's been a lot with McMahon um, for the last few years where he's found himself in the middle of some negative headlines. The most uh, glaring of which was a few years ago when McMahon stepped away from the company a first time. As you know, as I've reported, um, and it's been reported that uh, McMahon resigned his time with the company at WWE this past Friday night. Um, but McMahon was involved in a scandal and in, in allegations of paying hush money to former female employees for sexual impropriety. McMahon stepped away from the company. Stephanie McMahon, his daughter, came in, kind of took things over. She ran the company. And there was a wide belief inside the wrestling world that even though McMahon was gone, that he's still behind the scenes, uh, you know, running things. All those people were still in the company, and, it, and it's the WWE. It's Vince McMahon's baby. You can't take that away from Vince McMahon, even though, you know, it's now a publicly traded company with a board of directors. Vince McMahon is the WWE. WWE is Vince McMahon. He built the company. He bought it from his father in the late 80s, or uh, early 80s, late 1970s. His father, his grandfather, had started the wrestling companies during the middle part of the 1900s. The McMahons were as closely tied to wrestling as anything. You couldn't envision the McMahons not being in charge. That being said, so Vince has the hush money scandal and steps away from the company. During the time he's away, we start hearing WWE may be sold to, there was talk of, um, the Saudis maybe being interested in broadening their portfolio beyond oil. There was talk of other major uh, media companies, maybe like a Comcast or something. But in the end, we learned a little more than a year ago that WWE would, in fact, merge with UFC, and UFC would kind of be the, the larger end of the company, and they merged and formed a new company called TKO. When this comes out, McMahon's like, I'm coming back. I'm back in the company. It's like I've resigned, but I can just come back at a whim. And he did. He wanted to come back to execute the sale of his company. A major merger, a $21 billion merger. The WWE chunk was worth about $9 billion. And Vince came back. So one thing that was kind of interesting in when he came back was those sexual allegations that caused him to resign just kind of went away. This kind of went away. Wasn't really talked about anymore. TKO, WWE said, we did a, an internal investigation. We looked into it. And Vince has paid us back for the cost of the investigation. And then it just went away. It's just, just what happened. As far as the, the public was concerned, it, Vince was back. He had that mustache, that kind of new image. And he was there alongside Ari Emanuel, the other half of the TKO brand. And him and Ari Emanuel were almost equal partners. Technically, Ari Emanuel's side owned 51% of TKO. Vince McMahon's side owned 49% of the company. But that's, you know, pretty close to 50-50. And Vince was essentially solely in charge of WWE. And the way it's been reported that the contracts were written up is Vince could never be 
kicked out. He could never be removed from WWE short of his death or maybe some other just extreme circumstances. So Vince is back. The, the company merges together, um, and, and that's it. Fast forward to this past summer, summer of 23. An odd headline comes out. The only reason we knew about it was because WWE had to do a filing with the Securities and Exchange Commission, SEC. And within it, some mainstream news outlets noticed Vince McMahon had been served a federal subpoena and search warrant this past summer. No one really knew why. It wasn't reported. It wasn't put in a press release. It was put in an SEC filing with WWE. And that story was covered, and it kind of went away. Because with federal search warrants and subpoenas, there's not really a lot of things the press can do. The Freedom of Information Act doesn't really work. You can't really get the details of it until the investigation is complete. So no one really knew why McMahon was served with a federal search warrant and subpoena. Uh, I think there were some statements that said there was no wrongdoing, they complied, and blah, blah, blah. And it, once again, went away. The story circulated this summer. It was reported. It made the rounds. McMahon had been served with a federal search warrant subpoena. No one really knew why. There was some speculation. We covered it here at Going Ringside. Was it due to, you know, the old hush money payment scandal? Was it due to something with relation to the merger with uh, UFC and to TKO? We didn't really know. To this day, we honestly don't know what that federal search warrant subpoena was about. That story came. That story went. Then fast forward to last Monday, um, late latter half of January, a marquee, a blue ribbon day for WWE and TKO. They make some major announcements. Dwayne The Rock Johnson is now on the board of directors. Raw, for the first time ever in more than 30 years, is leaving linear television, and they have signed a multi-billion dollar deal with Netflix for WWE's flagship show to leave linear television and go to Netflix. Some other stuff we'd already reported. SmackDown's going to USA. NXT's going to CW. Major, major announcements for WWE. So major that Vince, The Rock, Triple H, CEO Nick Khan and other executives within the TKO umbrella are there at the New York Stock Exchange. And they are there, and Dwayne Johnson rings the bell with Vince at his side. Triple H is up there. Just a big day, big positive news day for WWE. And this was a business announcement. This wasn't we're announcing a main event at a pay-per-view or announcing this or that. This was bigger than that. This was for the corporation. They were announcing they had signed this multi-year huge deal with Netflix. Dwayne Johnson was on the board of directors. It's all rainbows and sunshine. And it was a big day for WWE. But three days later, only three days later, to the point you have to wonder, the timing's really interesting here. A bombshell in the Wall Street Journal. This lawsuit right here is put out public. That this woman, Janelle Grant, the plaintiff, a former WWE employee, files a complaint, uh, uh, a civil complaint in court in uh, United States District Court from the District of Connecticut. You know, McMahon's live in Connecticut. 
and that's where I believe WWE has historically been headquartered, alleging sex trafficking. And I want to point out, his previous issues had been hush money payments, uh, you know, sexual impropriety. Um, there had been, you know, federal search warrant. But when the phrase sex trafficking was a headline on the Wall Street Journal and then everywhere else, from the Washington Post, the New York Times, all the wrestling media, uh, media outlets all over the world are reporting on this. Sex trafficking. That carries a huge connotation in the modern day. Vince McMahon, a man who has been known as well as any celebrity on television for 40 years, has been accused of sex trafficking by a former employee. McMahon has adamantly denied it, and I just want to read his denial here real quickly because it's important, um, and, and we'll get to that. Um, and then I want to show some clips that, because I've been reporting on this nonstop over the weekend, even when I haven't been working on the Going Ringside TikTok channel. We'll get to that in just one minute. But I want to read his statement, and I'm going to come back to this because he has been accused. He has not been convicted. And his defense is just as important as the allegations. These are some quotes he put out. I stand by my prior statement that Ms. Grant's lawsuit is replete with lies, obscene, made-up instances that never occurred, and is a vindictive distortion of the truth. Quote one. Quote two. I intend to vigorously defend myself against these baseless accusations and look forward to clearing my name. Quote three. However, out of respect for the WWE Universe, the extraordinary TKO business, and its board members and shareholders, partners and constituents, and all of the employees and superstars who help make WWE into the global leader it is today, I've decided to resign from my executive chairmanship in the TKO Board of Directors effective immediately. Groundbreaking stuff. Real quickly, I've been reporting on this all weekend on the Going Ringside TikTok channel. I'm not going to be dressed up for it. I'm just doing this as the news comes in in my day-to-day -day life. So here's kind of how we've documented this on the Going Ringside TikTok channel. Hey, I'm Scott Johnson, host of the Going Ringside podcast. I just got off the phone with multiple defense lawyers about these new bombshell allegations against Vince McMahon that have come out, followed a Wall Street Journal investigation in the last hour. A former staffer, Janelle Grant, in the state of Connecticut is accusing Vince of sexually trafficking her. A few things I want to point out. This right now is a civil lawsuit. It is not a criminal lawsuit. The defense lawyers I talked to say the burden of proof is easier in a civil lawsuit than criminal, meaning he won't necessarily be arrested. It may be past the statute of limitations. But the lawyers I talked to say that Vince is essentially going to have to defend this, and you can get into a lot more details in a civil lawsuit than a criminal lawsuit. So this could be damaging to him. But the question is whether or not a prosecutor or district attorney in the district where this happened will look at it and possibly pursue criminal charges. This is not the first thing in the last couple of years for Vince McMahon with regards to sexual impropriety. He's dealt with several allegations. In fact, he had to step away from the company a little more than a year ago. The other part of this that's interesting is what happens with respect to TKO, the company that WWE merged with UFC to create. Is Vince McMahon a problem for them to be one of their primary members of their board of directors? Um, could the company cut ties with McMahon now that he's no longer necessarily the boss of WWE? He answers to Ari Emanuel. These are all different questions that will need to be asked and we will be watching here at Going Ringside. 
Hey, I'm Scott Johnson, host of the Going Ringside podcast. The WWE Vince McMahon scandal is orders of magnitude bigger than anything AEW has faced. AEW in the last year faced a scandal over a backstage fight allegedly involving CM Punk. You know what? Backstage fights have happened in wrestling forever. And allegations of sexual impropriety leveled against Chris Jericho, but not in the form of a lawsuit. Chris Jericho is also not the owner of the company. Tony Khan is, whereas Vince McMahon is in charge. And these allegations, this lawsuit is very far reaching. It alleges that it involved other members of the WWE organization, high profile ones at that. WWE is also a publicly traded company and they have to answer to investors and other media executives where essentially AEW has to answer to the Khan family and the networks that they deal with. And one other big thing, and this is important, the AEW scandals played out in the wrestling media on wrestling websites like, say, Sports Keto or Wrestling News. Not necessarily saying they're a bad website, but the McMahon scandal is on the New York Times, the Washington Post, and other major national mainstream media outlets. This is a big problem for WWE, much bigger than anything AEW has faced. Hey, I'm Scott Johnson, host of the Going Ringside podcast. Rumblings, and it's now being reported that Slim Jim is looking to remove their sponsorship of tomorrow's Royal Rumble. This is an indication of why the McMahon story may become problematic and why in my last post, I talked about this getting mainstream publicity in the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, the Washington Post. Advertisers, corporate sponsors, things of that nature do not want to get dragged into this and be put in a position where they have to ask about their connection to WWE while the McMahon situation is front page. So Slim Jim, a longtime partner with WWE that goes back decades, if they pull out due to the McMahon scandal, that is a problem going forward for WWE and there may be more to come. Hey, I'm Scott Johnson, host of the Going Ringside podcast. Breaking news, Vincent Mann has resigned from his position with the board and any affiliation with WWE or TKO. This is a monumental, groundbreaking story we continue to follow, but just in that Vincent Mann has tendered his resignation and cut all ties with WWE, essentially his family business that he spent 40 plus years building. This is unprecedented news that the wrestling world has not really come to grips with following this bombshell accusation and lawsuit filed against them for immense uh, amounts of sexual misconduct. Um, now, McMahon's lawyers have denied any wrongdoing, but either way, he has resigned. This follows things like uh, major sponsors pulling out of the Royal Rumble this weekend. But Vince McMahon, according to reports in just now, has resigned his roles related to WWE. An update on the sex trafficking lawsuit filed against WWE and its former owner, Vince McMahon. McMahon resigned from his position Friday night following the filing of the suit. The Going Ringside podcast has obtained a copy of the Non-Disclosure Agreement, or NDA. McMahon had his accuser, Janelle Grant, sign. This is one excerpt. Grant agrees, represents, and warrants that, as of the date of this agreement is signed, she will not disclose, discuss, or reveal any claims against or information about McMahon, her relationship with McMahon, WWE, or any employees or independent contractors of WWE. Grant is saying McMahon violated the NDA and filed the suit. 
On Monday, the Going Ringside podcast will reveal their full investigation on the McMahon case. There will be interviews with veteran defense lawyer as well as a capital management expert. They will analyze whether McMahon, WWE, and others named in the suit should face a criminal investigation and what high-profile wrestlers could feasibly be subpoenaed to testify at the trial. One thing I want to point out that's been updated on the Slim Jim thing, Slim Jim did come back to WWE and sponsor Royal Rumble this past weekend. That happened after McMahon uh, resigned Friday night, so interesting to see there. This is that NDA they're talking about there. It was signed... Um, this is her signature, Janelle Grant, uh, January 28th, um, 22, so almost exactly two years ago. Um, she essentially says she'll never, you know, sue, never put anything up there. I'm looking at the monetary considerations to Grant. So upon execution of the agreement, McMahon would pay her $1 million, which it looks like he did. And then there were supposed to be four more sums of half a million dollars each. Uh, one was due last February, then uh, in a few days, this February 1st, 25 and 26, she was supposed to get $3 million. The reporting is McMahon stopped paying. Ergo, this lawsuit was filed. And I want to talk a little about what's in this lawsuit, and then um, we're going to bring in our attorney to help us analyze what this means for McMahon. Uh, I do want to warn you, if you have any person who's sensitive or a minor with you, this is some graphic, graphic stuff. I'm going to gloss over some of it, but it is not pretty. Um, some of the things she's alleging, once again, as you heard McMahon denying it. Um, so Janelle Grant was a woman who apparently, according to this lawsuit, was living in the same apartment building as McMahon a few years back in 2019. He lived in a penthouse duplex. And Miss Grant um, was struggling because both her parents... I believe, had passed away. So she was a young woman, young pretty woman, by the way, because I think that's important in this, who was struggling in life. Um, according to the lawsuit, her parents had passed away. She was trying to find work, get her life together after dealing with grief and loss of loss of family members. And in this, it said, um, you know, people in the building would try and help her out. They felt bad for her. And eventually, the, the building's resident manager wanted to help. Quotes, she messaged McMahon to ask whether he would talk to her, sharing that Ms. Grant um, had been through hardship and would do great things if given a fresh start. McMahon enthusiastically responded, quote, hell yes. So McMahon and her connect. Um, and then it goes on to say, you know, uh, he would give her a yet-to-be-determined role in WWE, showering with her attention, showering her with attention and assurances along with gifts like a VIP experience at WrestleMania. Um, this is from the lawsuit, but what seemed like a dream in the spring of 2019 quickly became a nightmare. As McMahon dangled career and life-changing promises in front of Ms. Grant, he demonstrated an increasing lack of boundaries. During several meetings that were ostensibly about a potential job at WWE, he greeted her in his underwear touched her, repeatedly asked for hugs, and spent hours sharing intimate details about his personal life. Um, and as he asked her to keep their closeness a secret, lest rumors lead to public trouble, and added that while he protects loyal people, he had world-class legal resources on speed dial 
to deal with people who became a problem. She's eventually hired um, and brought in and according to this, sexual conduct, a physical relationship ensues. And she is put essentially, I, I believe at some point, under the counsel of another defendant, another high profile name, John Laurinaitis. John Laurinaitis is also known as Johnny Ace. If you're not familiar with John Laurinaitis, he is a longtime guy uh, in wrestling, has been a wrestler, and has really become known in the last 20 years as a backstage guy. Um, and he's really Vince's right-hand man. He's the real-life brother of Road Warrior Animal, um, was his brother in real life. And John Laurinaitis used to wrestle under the name Johnny Ace, so people also talk, mention him as Johnny Ace. And he was eventually, in the mid-2000s, he was the on-camera boss of WWE, and he kind of played like a Vince McMahon light, the bad guy manager on camera. And John Laurinaitis, in real life, was one of Vince's trusted lieutenants behind the scenes, and he was eventually head of talent relations. Head of talent relations has been described as one of the most important and thankless jobs at WWE. You're the backstage boss who deals with all the wrestlers, the highest profile talents, anyone with problems comes to you and everyone gets mad at you and blames you if things go wrong. Uh, Jim Ross used to have the job, Bruce Pritchard, I believe, had the job at one point, and others. So it's a very important job. It's one of the guys who's right below McMahon in the corporate structure. And he kind of runs things behind the scenes. So she comes in as a low-level employee and eventually, um, the sexual contact starts with McMahon according, and, and Laurinaitis, according to this. It said um, McMahon would begin sharing sexually explicit photographs of Ms. Grant, including pornographic content he recorded himself with other men, both inside and outside the company, including members of the television exec te uh, tech team, executive producers, and a world-famous athlete and former UFC heavyweight champion with whom WWE is actively trying to sign to a new contract and ultimately did sign that contract. I will not name names. This has been discussed uh, nationally in the press. It just gets worse. Just disgusting stuff she alleges in here. Um, saying that he would use sex toys, that he would name after WWE superstars. One of the ones that was that's been written about that is just gross. They say during a sexual threesome that he defecated on her head. And I won't read it out here. It's just, it's just one quote with, with feces in her hair and running down her back. It just, just gross, gross stuff in here. And eventually uh, there are some text messages that have disgusting content in there. Um, once again, point out McMahon's denied all of this. Um, and some horrible text messages saying he would share her and, and you know share her with other people, which is where the sex trafficking end of the lawsuit comes in. I do also want to point out on Laurinaitis, Laurinaitis is married um, to the mother of the Bella Twins. Uh, he is technically, by last, last reporting, their stepdad. Um, and so just... Just disgusting stuff. We're going to post the um, lawsuit at our website, newsforjacks.com, by the time I post all this. So if you want to read it, you can, but just gross, gross stuff. Gross stuff. Once again, and I want to read this again, 
McMahon's statement. I stand by my prior statement that Ms. Grant's lawsuit is replete with lies, obscene made-up instances that never occurred, and is a vindictive distortion of the truth. I intend to vigorously defend myself against these baseless accusations and look forward to clearing my name. So who's sued here? Vince, Laurinaitis, and, and this is important, WWE is sued. McMahon has now left the company. TKO has come out and said, we are aware of this. We've done an internal investigation. We want to point out this has happened before the merger with TKO, so it was under the old iteration of the company. There's a lot to unpack here legally. So I brought in a veteran criminal defense lawyer who's dealt with a lot of high-profile cases down here in Florida, uh, Gene Nichols, to sit down and help me unpack where this goes from here. This is a mess for WWE if they don't settle out of court, which is possible. Because if this gets to trial, it gets messy, real messy and very public. Because one thing Gene's going to talk about is if this were a criminal case, prosecutors are limited in what they can release their restrictions on what can be brought up in court, not in a civil case. All of WWE's dirt, essentially, can be put out for public consumption at trial. So this is my interview with Gene Nichols. He's a veteran criminal defense lawyer. Um, he's very familiar with media cases. He dealt with a lot of high-profile clients who've dealt with some very public scandals. So he's familiar with this world from a legal end. And here's his legal analysis with veteran criminal defense attorney Gene Nichols. Well, I'm joined now by Gene Nichols, a veteran defense lawyer with the Nichols and Pina law firm based here in Florida to kind of flush us out and uh, get an idea of what we're looking at here. Gene, thanks for joining us today. Absolutely. Happy to be here, Scott. Gene, there's a lot here. Uh, let's start with the lawsuit. It alleges some very just horrendous things in there um, that this former employee of WWE is alleging against McMahon and other executives within the organization. Um, my first question revolves around criminality here. Um, right now, this is a civil lawsuit. Can you describe to me the difference here and whether this would even theoretically become a criminal investigation? Well, so when we look at the civil lawsuit, there are allegations within the civil lawsuit that could become criminal. When we first heard of this being a possibility, my first thought process was, when did these events take place? A lot of times when you see a lawsuit um, uh, in certain situations, it could be from events that took place decades ago. We have actually seen that with President Trump recently. However, as we see in this case, the allegations that she has made, which include the allegation of a battery, which include the allegation of, in essence, trafficking her for sexual favors for other individuals, have been just over the last few years. So I would expect that this will cause at least the district attorney's office in the location where the corporation existed where she worked to do a criminal investigation. So I'm not sure that we're not going to see one. We may not see one. It could have already been investigated and then declined. But my guess is it has not been, especially because of the non-complete, excuse me, the non-disclosure agreement that she entered into. And so for those reasons, this may be the first opportunity that she has sought to talk to anybody about it. Typically, however, if a, if, a, if a criminal case is going to come up, usually the victim has gone to the state attorney's office, the district attorney's office, the attorney general, whoever is prosecuting in that jurisdiction. So we will find out during discovery if she has, in fact, taken those steps. And then I we'll want to also... get to this. I want to get to discovery in a minute because that's important in a civil case. But real quickly yeah. on the NDA, 
The reporting now is that he violated the NDA not by not paying the full amount. And then when that happened, um, she filed suit because I read through the NDA and it says that, you know, she will not disclose anything that could damage the company or McMahon. Are NDAs hard to break in those cases? They're not hard to break in those cases where one party has violated the NDA. And typically for a public policy reason, if, if the court makes a determination that for a, a public policy reason that the NDA should be broken, you can expect that it can. We're talking about two different things. We're talking about a contractual agreement where one party agrees to do something, the other party agrees to do something. And in most contracts, if you don't do what you're supposed to do, then you're in breach of that contract. And then that contract can either be voided, set aside, sued on, or anything to that extent. So the remedies involved in that non-disclosure agreement are going to be what dictates whether or not she's able to talk about this or not. But the fact remains is she's filed a complaint. We have seen everything that she has alleged. Her lawyers have filed a very detailed complaint. The non-disclosure agreement has been broken. And, and it's not a matter of, hey, can we break it yeah, they're going to have to get permission at a later date, but it's clearly already been broken based upon what. Well, my question is, is, is the fact that what she's alleging, if it gets to the point of criminality, is the NDA still in play in that situation with some of the stuff that that she's alleging? Now, it's and no NDA is going to be in place if the, somebody gets brought to court on criminal charges. That doesn't you cannot stop a victim of a crime from testifying against you just because you have a, an agreement. And most agreements, such as a non-disclosure or such as a confidentiality agreement, are have explicit language, or it is commonly known, or the law in the state or the federal wh where it's been filed. Hey, if there's an agreement and you're required to come to court and you get subpoenaed to come to court, the NDA is out the window. So from that standpoint, if there's a criminal investigation and she gets a subpoena to come or other people get subpoenas to come, that NDA is not going to hold any water in any criminal investigation. It's only going to be whether or not they can keep her from pursuing her civil suit uh, based upon that agreement. And, and the real question becomes is who's in breach of that agreement? And if one person's in breach, what are, what's the remedy? Because quite frankly, what you can expect is either she's not allowed to speak because the document lasts, or she is allowed to speak, and they'll get a judge to make that decision one way or the other. Now, on the aspect of the company, because she's suing the company as well, she's suing WWE there because uh, McMahon's had issues in the last few years, and he, he left, and then he came back, and TKO, the, the parent company, is saying they did their own investigation, and I think they said something along the lines of no wrongdoing. I mean, does that you know, play a role here because McMahon lawyers have denied everything. Uh, they're well, saying you did not do anything here. I mean, talk to me about the, the a company doing its own investigation here versus a, you know, a criminal investigation. Well, so many times a company is going to do their own internal investigation. The fact that they've done an internal investigation, either for PR purposes or for their own reasons to try and resolve a claim, there's nothing wrong with a company doing their own investigation. The results of the company's investigation will have absolutely nothing to do with what happens in the civil lawsuit. And there's a distinct possibility that the results that the company did may never make it in front of a jury in the first place, because you don't, a jury in essence is the one making the decision whether or not there's been a wrongdoing, not whether or not an independent or third party has made that decision. So I, I would suspect that while there has been an investigation that has been completed, 
plaintiff's counsel is going to argue that it's tainted. They're going to argue that it was the company doing it themselves and try to protect themselves, as well as to find out as much information that you possibly can before the lawsuits happen. You see that with a lot of corporations. You do your own internal investigation, not to really flesh out, you know, was there wrongdoing or not, but flesh out what are we in for for the next year to five years. And I am sure that they were able to learn a tremendous amount, both done wrongly as well as what they can use as a defense so a lot of their investigation of this may not have been to say hey look we didn't do anything wrong here it was to find out as much as they possibly could internally so they can then defend this case properly i want to get your opinion on the timing here this lawsuit dropped i want to say three days after wwe mcmahon himself was at the new york stock exchange in a very high profile event with Dwayne Johnson there, all the all the news networks in America covered this. Three days later, the lawsuit drops. Would TKO or WWE have known this lawsuit was coming? Or, or I mean, is there a situation where they would not have known this would have come as a surprise to them? I would be shocked that this would have come as a surprise to them. I would be absolutely floored. There is just about no way you could hide something as big as this um uh and just not know that it was coming in any way shape or form i would i will not be surprised if they take the position they were unaware that this was coming but at the same time i would tell you i i, I would not believe them i would absolutely believe that they knew this was coming uh and they were continuing their status quo so they could take the position that this doesn't matter this is she's lying uh, and 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 go with that defense from the very beginning. You're not going to hunker down because that's going to give the appearance that you have done something wrong. So instead of that, they stayed, you know, full guns ahead as much as they possibly could until this time came. Uh, and then the company did the right thing to have everybody start to step down and and go through the lawsuit and the process of the lawsuit. I want to talk to you about this, the fact that this is a civil lawsuit, not a criminal one, meaning WWE's dirt could be more on public display than if it was a criminal case? Oh, absolutely. So, you know, you in a criminal case, the government is prosecuting and you are setting up your defense and that's really about it. And there are going to be specific allegations. But in a civil lawsuit, and especially with the civil lawsuit that we have here, the discovery is going to be unbelievable. Every wrestler that you, you know, have ever reported on on this podcast is probably going to end up with a subpoena. Every wrestler that everybody knows who has been involved in the WWE and has been there at a high level for the last decade that we all know about are probably going to be in a courtroom at some point in time. Will so they be able to get out of those subpoenas or is that difficult to do? I can't I can't imagine, you know, at first why? If if uh let's just let's pick a wrestler, if Dwayne Johnson was uh somehow and i don't want to suggest anything i don't know but let's let's keep him if he yeah. you know if he observed vince mcmahon treat her poorly you know at a breakfast he's going to have to testify to that he's not going to be able to just you know say have a lawyer come in and try to keep him from testifying that those observations uh are going to be critical to her case and i fully expect that she is going to her and her lawyers are going to start taking depositions of everybody whether corporate people, lawyers, excuse me, corporate people or wrestlers or whomever else uh, who may have observed the way that she was treated by McMahon. So, no, it's it is going to be, quite frankly, a, a mess. And all of us on the on the sideline will be able to see it all transpire. But everybody's testifying. I do want to back up. Will this get to trial? Is there a theoretically possible they could find a way to settle this and make it go away? I mean, we're talking about, you know, very wealthy people here. 
Well, so the, that's what in it, that's what is always very interesting in cases like this, Scott. And and a lot of times when you see them in civil court, and this is part of the position that that the defense will be taking, is is there a number? And 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 the question that has to be asked then is why is there a number? Because as we have seen, as her as her lawyer has indicated, as everybody has said, you know, we brought this lawsuit because we don't want this to happen again. We don't want him to do anything to anybody ever again. We don't want the WWE to do anything to anybody again. And we don't want any employee to ever be treated this way again at this company, much less anywhere else. Everybody gets to see what could happen. Well, if that's the case, then the case goes to trial. Whether or not you get a dollar or whether or not you get $100 million, it, you know, that's not the point. The point is bringing the lawsuit. So to answer your question, can it settle? Yes. If the plaintiff is taking the position that I'm doing this no matter what the dollar outcome is because I want to protect other people in the future, then there really shouldn't be a dollar amount. And yes, then it ends up in trial. But you can expect that the plaintiff's lawyers and the plaintiff in this case are absolutely at this stage going to trial. They're going to show that they're going to trial. The defense is going to show that they're going to trial. And then like every, like over 99% of all the lawsuits that happen in this country, there's usually a settlement at some point in time. I want to get your opinion on McMahon here. You've, McMahon's a unique case. He is a high profile guy that has been involved in some very nasty criminal situations for decades now. He's He's been through the ringer before. Um, and he's been a public figure the entire time, very high profile one. I don't know necessarily on this level, but you've dealt with a lot of high profile cases with public figures before. What do they like behind the scenes when they're meeting with lawyers? Are they frustrated? Are they scared? Are they defiant? You, you, you see it all. It depends upon the individual. There will be individuals who can be as brash and, and have as much bravado on the outside and are scared to death on the inside. I, I have a feeling that this is not that case. I have a feeling that what is happening behind closed doors is probably a lot of yelling and cursing and throwing and and and, and that bravado is going to come out even stronger. I, I think that part of the brand that we're talking about, especially anything, and the brand of the individual of Vince McMahon and the brand of uh, uh, his, the corporation that he built, the multi-billion dollar corporation that he built, they have to take a position in this case of none of this happened, none of this happened, none of this happened, because if they don't, then the whole brand can fold and suffer greatly because of it. So I would suspect that there's, there's, this is going to be ugly, and it's going to be very unfortunate because the allegations against her, what I know we're going to hear is that she wasn't trafficked for anything. This is what she chose to do. This is what she wanted to do. This was her voluntary actions. However, the problem with that position, and that's why they're in a, they have a problem, is because she was still an employee period. And the fact that she was an employee and the fact that she was hired and had the relationship with him, the the the, the sexual harassment allegations and the trafficking allegations, they're going to have a very difficult time defending themselves from those sort of allegations when if they were in a sexual relationship and she is an employee and a subordinate to him and to others, and then she's also a subordinate to the other individual that she was allegedly having a sexual relationship with at the request or behest of Mr. McMahon, the the, the company's got a huge problem. And one other so thing on it, because she's, she's suing two, well, more than one entity, McMahon, WWE, which 
technically, I mean, McMahon just resigned his position. He's still a shareholder. Right. Will they, will WWE, the corporation, try and separate themselves legally from McMahon? Will they get their own sets of lawyers, do you expect? Uh, I To answer the second question first, I expect them to get two sets of lawyers. I expect McMahon to have his own counsel, and I expect the WWE to have their own counsel. Because at some point in time, when you sue the individual and you also sue the corporation, at some point in time, the corporation and the individual butt heads. It, it, there's, it is almost inevitable. And you know, if, if the WWE is going to go full throttle and defending him no matter what, and none of this happened, and McMahon takes the same position, then yes, probably the same legal team can be a part of it. But then when you start to get into problems of, does the WWE try to hang him out to dry? Or try, you know, we are we're so sorry we didn't know about it. You know, we we want to resolve this and 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 kind of take the we're doing the right thing approach. Then yes, then you cannot be representing both. So in a lot of times when corporations are sued and individuals for their individual acts while they were part of the corporation, you end up having to have separate counsel. One last question before we go. If this did get to the point of a criminal investigation, McMahon obviously and maybe some of the other individuals could be investigated. Could WWE as a corporation be investigated criminally? They absolutely could. If if we are with with those allegations of sex trafficking, there they could absolutely be criminally prosecuted um, uh, for the actions that they have had there. That their people. And, and I'm sorry, and I, I want to clarify one thing. So TKO statement is these allegations happened before the merger. Um, before the new ownership group took effect. So, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that's to kind of defend themselves. They said that in a statement, like these allegations happened before we took over ownership of WWE, but still, I mean, there could be a target on the company in some fashion. Well, there's no question. So, you know, there's a couple of things we need to look at and what everybody's going to be paying a lot of attention to, and that's this. Who is insuring what entity at what time? And, you know, we can talk about the entity all we want to, but I would, I would, venture to say the WWE at the time of all of this for these sort of potential acts and and harassment it probably had multi-million dollars worth of insurance I mean the 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 whole the entity in and of itself why it's there wrestling and people getting potentially hurt and putting on events and everything else they're going to have layer after layer after layer of insurance coverage 5 million, 10 million, 20 million, 100 million, whatever it is. And so with a new parent corporation, yes, it's an issue. We didn't buy their liability, but it's not really going to matter. What's going to matter is at the time of the incidents that are alleged, where's the insurance and or what did the corporation have at the time? But I will guarantee you, we're going to find out that it's not going to matter that the corporation became something new or different. There will have been policies in effect at the time of these alleged acts by Vince McMahon or the corporation. And if they're found liable, those insurance policies are then going to be kicking in. So that's that's as big of all of this as anything. When when one corporate entity buys another, there's always language about whether or not they're buying their liabilities, whether or not they're buying assets, whether or not they're buying the past and whether or not they buy something along these lines. And that's going to be for all the corporate lawyers to start to decide uh, as to what potential liability of new corporations, successor corporations are. Gene Nichols of the Nicholson Peanut Law Firm based in Florida. Gene, thanks for taking the time today. Scott, always a pleasure. So that's the legal end of it. The other end we need to talk about is the business end for WWE. McMahon's out. What about anyone in his orbit? Does WWE keep them? Obviously, Triple H is a top 
guy there. He's Vince's son-in-law. Uh, to my knowledge, the rest of the McMahons are technically out of the company. That would include Linda, Shane, and Steph. Triple H is still there. Uh, Ronda Rousey went on X right after this broke and started pointing fingers at Bruce Pritchard. Bruce Pritchard, obviously, was brought back into the company. He's had this decades-long relationship with Vince and, and, and others within the, within the company who are in Vince's orbit. Does the company essentially push them all out? Is it only Vince who really, you know, is sacrificed through all this process? And, and maybe Laurinaitis will have to see. But this is obviously going to cause some major shakeups on the board, uh, which now Dwayne Johnson is part of, and, and backstage. Um, so I also brought in Ron Heyman. Ron Heyman is a capital management expert at the University of North Florida. To help me analyze this, what this does to WWE as a business, as a corporate entity, and TKO, their, their overarching uh, you know, ownership group, uh, because they're now partnered with uh, UFC. So here's our interview with Ron Heyman, a capital management expert at the University of North Florida. Well, we are joined again by Ron Heyman, a capital management expert with University of North Florida, to kind of break down what this means as far as the business end for McMahon and WWE. Ron, thanks for joining us on the show today. Great to be with you, Scott. Thank you for having me. So, Ron, this is obviously a very tough spot for WWE and McMahon. Um, I want to I want to back up to his um, resignation. As far as I understand, this was something where he had a lot of he had his ducks in a row. They they couldn't really fire him. Was that accurate? So his resignation was really the the only way out for them. Yeah, absolutely. What makes this situation a little bit different from other board issues is that uh, Vince was basically a board member for life. Uh, there there wasn't anything in the agreement when they merged with TKO with TKO or TKO. Uh, but WWE that would allow them to remove Vince uh, beyond death, uh, disability, incapacity, or his own resignation. Uh, so here we are at that resignation point, but really they would have had a hard time firing him. So the timing of this is weird to me. This drops, I want to say, three days after Vince, The Rock, Triple H, and all the executives at TKO are on the big bell at the New York Stock Exchange ringing the bell, Vince and The Rock right next to each other. The timing is really interesting, and, and I almost think suspect. Yeah, it, it certainly uh, begs a lot of questions, right? And we go back to about September, October, we started to hear rumblings of, of some trouble uh, with Mr. McMahon and the board. Um, but really, this week, with all the bombshell allegations are out there, uh, that appearance, you know, ringing the bell at the big board does, uh, it does present some pretty bad optics, I think. If internally they knew this was going on or, or, or there was some hint that, that the story was going to break, uh, I, I think, you know, The Rock and, and, and the current members of the board would be wanting to try to distance themselves from, from the scandal. You know, ahead of time. Now, while Vince, you know, legally kind of had himself you know, in, uh, you know, insulated from any problems where they couldn't fire him. I'm assuming on a board of this magnitude with a publicly traded company, there's probably behind the scenes pressure that maybe we're not seeing. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, certainly it is publicly traded company. If you own a share, uh, a voting share in the company, you have the right to have your voice heard. So there are shareholders, large and small, 
who I think would have taken issue with, with the events as they've unfolded. Um, whether or not they would have been able to do anything is a different story, but clearly the pressure from inside is, is, is you know, come to a head and, and been stepped down. Um, you know, technically he didn't have to, um, but I, I can imagine the tension and, and you know, just the, the conversations going on behind the closed doors about where this, you know, where these allegations could go. And WWE and TKO is saying we did an investigation on some of this. They've said this has already been investigated. So there's it's this is going to play out in courts and probably the press on whether or not these allegations have merit. Um, but do you think internally within the company there's a lot more that they know that that they're probably going to you know sit on it and not release if they don't have to? You know, it, it, it's hard to tell. I mean, clearly, where there's smoke, there's fire, and we've we've seen instances certainly before in, in the press and in you know in the public spotlight about non-disclosure agreements and and um, you know some unsavory behavior from other individuals out there. Um, once people start talking, once the cat is out of the bag, whether there's the truth or not, you know, the the, the court of public opinion rules. And, you know, I, I think in this circumstance, there's plenty of evidence that seems to be popping out there that indicates, you know, less than less than, you know, ideal behavior from the figurehead of the company. Uh, so you draw conclusions you might. I don't know if it goes to court or not. I suspect certainly lawsuits will fly, but uh, I think the damage is done. So our interview, if this goes on schedule for me, will be released Monday morning. So right now, if you're watching this, the New York Stock Exchange is opening for Monday morning bell. What do you see this doing to the stock price, the financial stability of WWE? I mean, it may take a temporary hit. Do you think they take a big hit long-term? I don't know. I mean, it's tough. You know, companies have been rocked by scandals. Uh, this is a billion dollar enterprise. They're diversified. Uh, you know, they've got the UFC component. They've got the other, you know, the, the intellectual property. Um, I think short-term, you know, instabilities, you know, they were talking about some, some, uh, of the talent canceling from you know, the the uh, event this weekend. Tough to say. I, I think long-term, the brand will recover. I mean, you can think of so many major companies out there, even recently, you know, Boeing with the 737 Max. Is Boeing really going to go out of business? No, it's bad press. I think the same for the WWE. Um, and, and we're talking about billions of dollars, you know, in, in, in entertainment revenue and enterprise value. Um, I, I think they'll get the ship turned around and, and a few years from now, you know, this will certainly be a, an entry in the history of the WWE, but I think the organization will continue on and, and continue to evolve and grow. Another headline to come out in the hours before McMahon's resignation, there have been a lot of reporting that Slim Jim, a longtime sponsor of WWE, had pulled out their weekend sponsorship of the Royal Rumble, which happened over the weekend. That's, you know, a long-term partner with them. And and that was only, you know, some some headlines on the internet. I don't know that Slim Jim has necessarily commented. But if advertisers are pulling out uh, you, you, your corporate sponsors, is that something the board sits up and takes notice? Like we got a problem here? Oh, absolutely. Right. I mean, they're huge sources of revenue uh for the organization and the long-term partnership. I mean, the macho man commercials are classics, right? It's sure. almost a meme at this point. Um, but the, once that passes by, I mean, you can think about the sponsors that left Tiger Woods when he was going through some, some very public, uh, kind of controversy and they've come back and, and, you know, I, I do think 
um, you know, again, shorter term, that, that drop in subscriber revenue. Um, then again, on the other side, controversy tends to bring more eyes to the organization, right? So there's a double-edged sword. People may and that's tune the wrestling world, sadly. Yeah. That's the wrestling world, and that yeah. may be, you know, that may be responsible for some more, some more views and some more pay-per-view revenue. Who knows? But so the other question is: There's been some reporting that you know McMahon's got his circle and his loyalists and the people that he really made stars or or business, uh, you know, made them in business. Do you suspect that other heads will roll, so to speak, in the organization if they're linked to McMahon? Is that a feasible possibility? Will the board try and clean house? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I do think so. So the board is responsible for the management, the leadership of the organization, right? They're they're who watches the president, the C-suite. Um, and in the WWE instance with TKO, because of McMahon's legacy with WWE, he was able to bring a lot of his people on board with him. He was allowed to bring over the culture of his organization. And he had, you know, almost invincibility from the board standpoint, that death, disability, or resignation clause in, in the terms of his, his board chair. Now he's gone. And, you know, I doubt that anybody else within his inner circle had that level of protection from the surviving manager or the existing management at the board level. So I, I would suspect there are some changes and, and really if, if the board or some of the, you know, some of the other actors in play here from TKO wanted Vince out, you know, this is the opportunity to do that clearly um, and, and may in fact be, some of the driving reason why we've seen some of these headlines, right? We 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 knew some there was smoke and fire. Let's you know, let's let's fan those flames. One final question for you: To my understanding, McMahon still owns a sizable chunk of stock within the company. Is there? Can you explain to me the difference between resigning as as an organizational head versus just being you know a major stockholder in the company? Is there a difference? Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's it's interesting, and, and I wanted to take a closer look at that. I haven't had a chance to yet, but he should still be a shareholder. Um, although there have been similar instances with sports teams, for say, where the owner has been asked to resign, um, and they've had to sell their their, their stake in the business. Uh, it's a little bit tricky because it's a publicly traded entity. Uh, Vince's shares, as we've talked before, are voting class shares, so he still would have some power. Uh, I think it remains to be seen. Like maybe the legal case out there, there could be something to compel him to divest his shares, or you know, given any settlements, he may have to sell shares to cover legal fees or any any civil suits or anything that could that could come from this. And I think time will tell, but. Um, clearly, you know, there, there, there's a, a new sea change going on within the organization after after this settles down. Well, Ron Heyman, capital management expert, University of North Florida. Ron, thanks for joining us today. Scott, thank you. Appreciate it. Good to be back. So that was a look at the business end of things. I want to back up to what Gene said on the legal analysis, that if this does not settle, which, you know, very possibly they could just settle and this eventually goes away, if this gets to a courtroom, it gets messy. As he said, every high-profile person who ever interacted with Grant at WWE and witnessed her and McMahon together 
just think of some of the names out there who would have just even witnessed them interact could be subpoenaed and have to testify because this is a civil case, not a criminal defense or, or, or the lawyers bringing this case have a lot more leeway to bring out all the dirt of WWE behind the scenes into the public spotlight, into a courtroom. That's messy. Could be one reason, as Gene said, why WWE and Vince legally part ways in the defense of this trial because it is so publicly messy for the company. That's if this doesn't settle. We'll have to watch. A lot of times, high-profile cases do get settled out of court. We'll have to see what happens. Um, but we're going to continue to monitor this. This is the biggest story maybe ever in wrestling, depending on how far it goes, because it does involve the allegation of trafficking within the organization. We, of course, will follow it here at the podcast as it comes up. And, of course, give us a follow at, at Going Ringside on TikTok and Instagram. And I put out stuff immediately as it comes up. So we're keeping up on this stuff as it happens in real time. Give us a follow there. If you don't have a TikTok account or an Instagram account, just set one up and give us a follow. Tell your friends, tell your family about the show. We continue to put out stuff every week. But how to tackle this, the biggest story in the wrestling world right now. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Going Ringside. We'll see you back here next time. This has been Going Ringside with The Local Station, brought to you every Wednesday on your favorite podcast player on News 4 Jax Plus, as well as the News 4 Jax YouTube channel.